Hey guys, if you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing us on iTunes, that would really be amazing. It we, would mean a lot. We love it when you guys rate and review. And we want to know what you think. Yeah. We appreciate the reviews that we have, and we want to know more. Yeah. So please, do that. Thanks, guys. Hello. This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Are you guys ready to have the time of your life? Are you all cops? (laughs) Perfect. What? (laughs) Because time for Time Cop. I don't know. It is time for Time Cop. He's right. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what a time. Cop? (laughs) Okay, sorry. Yeah. 1994. (laughs) 1994. Jean-Claude Van Damme's highest grossing film ever. Was it really? Oh yeah. Shit, let's listen to the trailer. In the year 2004, time travel is a reality. You are charged with violations of TEC code 40.8. Time travel with intent to alter the future. And a crime. It turns out going back in time is a pretty easy way to make money. The genie is already out of the bottle. The technology is there. Now, one man. You ever hear the name Aaron McComb? Is about to take the ultimate power trip. He's gonna be president. You don't need the press. You don't need endorsements. You don't even need the truth. You need money. But to enforce the laws of time. Are we still together? together in 10 years? Am I dead? One man is determined to stop him. I cannot go back to save her. This scumbag is not going back to steal money. Stay here, Walker. My future, you're dead. I think you planned too far ahead. Turn back the clock in your history. That's the tagline. Oh, tagline. Unreal. Okay, so... A lot of ridiculousness in this movie, but basically, okay, so the film is based upon the Dark Horse comic book series of the same name, and Jean-Glaude Van Damme's character plays this guy Walker, who's a time cop, who's supposed to, you know, protect time. There's the Ministry of History Defense to defend history. That's the world we're living in. Yeah. Once time travel's invented, you gotta police it. Totally. Because who you can't change history, but then when you do, how do you know? It's like, there's so many yeah. logical inconsistencies right. and... I, paradoxes I, in this movie totally. that don't make any sense. This is the first movie of all the movies we've done where looking at IMDb, I stumbled upon the goof section, specifically factual errors. How the fuck have I not known about this section? I feel <laughs> yeah. like this would have come in handy for so I usually many. overlook it because I feel like mostly it's just like, in this scene, you can see that the license right. plates are wrong. Well, that's the thing. They break it down to, so it's not just like, you know, continuity and stuff, but it's like uh-huh. specifically factual errors just oh, about like the world. So let's go through a few of those. First of all, we talked about this the whole time we were watching the film's time travel rules make no sense at all (laughs) nothing tracks really (laughs) right they say that you can go back in time but that one cannot go forward because the future has not happened yet yet they go back and forth throughout the entire fucking movie well you can't go forward beyond the point that you're currently at right I don't know but it yeah but but the idea is like once they go back in time to 1994 right right Right. they go that's when it the most important turning point in history yeah Totally. Well, because I think that was the year that time travel was invented. Right. And so, oh, like, 94, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it just so happened to be the same year that, that- the movie was released, <laughs> but that was also the year. <laughs> okay. But then also, th- and this we pointed out the whole time, 
Walker's job is to prevent people from using time travel to alter the past, which would thereby change the future. But when he travels through time, he causes as much damage as possible. He, like, travels back to 1928 and beats up two security guards. Oh, yeah. He, like, fires a fucking laser cannon in front of a huge crowd of people. He, like, jumps out of a window with the bad guy and disappears into a black hole above New York City. Right. But then the, the guy reappears out of that black hole and falls to his death. And they're like, another stock market trader after 1929 crash, jumping to his death. Right. I actually looked into that a little bit. And very few people actually did jump to their death after. There were after two, the stock market crash? Yeah, there were two instances of traders jumping out of windows. But for the most part, like the suicide rate did not go up. It may have actually gone down a really? little bit. And most of the suicides that were attributed to things like that also had other personal reasons. Right, so right. it's like, did suicides actually increase at, right after the stock market? Not really. Right, totally. This is a fun geeky tidbit that you pointed out when we were watching. The characters repeatedly say that like the same matter can't occupy the same space right. when time traveling, which basically means that time travelers cannot physically touch past versions of themselves without suffering fatal consequences. But you've pointed out before. Yeah, as we've talked about on this show, your atoms never actually touch other atoms that you're trying to touch. There's like an invisible force field that happens. So you would never actually touch the other thing. And even if you did, why is it it's the same matter? It's different matter like right. your body sheds all of its skin cells mm -hmm. and like regenerates them it's new matter it, right. it, like there's no it's just like one of those like tropes to, for tropes sake like yeah this is how we're gonna kill the main bad guy justify this yeah. yeah but it doesn't really make any fucking sense i also okay so i stumbled upon this article called four reasons time cop is a modern masterpiece oh boy and this guy i mean i'll i definitely condensed it because this thing was long this guy had a fucking chip on his yeah. shoulder with it <laughs> but one of the first things he pointed out is if you want to buy time cop you have to travel back in time it's on low demand. They don't have it like in on like regular stock of DVDs and Blu-rays. It's not streaming on Netflix. Except we totally got it on Except iTunes. Except you got it on yeah, iTunes. So, so I, I was like, you're what, wrong. Yeah, you're already wrong. <laughs> but then what I really liked is he goes on to talk about how like time travel is not the most improbable thing in time con. Yeah. So first of all, like at the beginning of, of the movie, there's this like closed door meeting between these politicians who like at the same time that they learn that time travel is even invented, that it's even a thing. They also decide to earmark a quarter of the national budget on this impossible technology. Right, <laughs> so right. it's just like unlikely that this, you know, room of old timey harumphing politicians would be like, ah, oh, time travel. Mm, OK, pip pip. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> well, we've got to get on this regulation. And then there's like 10 years later, the Time Enforcement Commission and right. whatnot. Oh, yeah. Just like the reality of the politics of it being yeah. completely unrealistic. And also, what's the deal with the little time travel car? They, it, when they blast back in time, it's never there. They just fall out of the sky oh, into yeah, like oncoming totally. traffic. totally. It's a good point. Yeah. But then when they come back, When you they hit 88 return. miles per hour, the car goes with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, like, what are you talking about <laughs> moment was like when I realized, because they're like, but how could the bad guy have gone back in time? There's only one time machine. And then they're like, a prototype that was never disassembled is what he's been using. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why wouldn't you just think, I don't know, five years from now, he builds a new one and goes right. back in time. Like, what? <laughs> like, are like, these what? the questions? <laughs> you know, Priorities people. There's still a future in your future. And in that future, time travel still exists. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. People like not recognizing him and then like people that were like in the time enforcement community, like having no recollection of him yeah, at all. Yeah, but he just, remembers even yeah. though he wouldn't have grown up in that world. Like the, yeah. it, it chooses, it picks and chooses which time totally. travel truths it wants. I mean, I guess when this movie is 
mostly just an excuse to watch Jean-Claude Van Damme do a bunch of do oily splits. splits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, final silly tidbit. The villains in this movie are simultaneously the smartest and dumbest characters in the movie because, of course, the premise of Time Cop involves this corrupt United States senator. He sends all of these henchmen to the past to steal money for him so that he can, he can become both a billionaire and president and all that. But in the first scene of the movie, we see his henchmen, like, blast this group of confederate soldiers with like futuristic machine guns and stuff and they like steal their supply of racist gold so the question is like (laughs) why of all places you could go in history would you go back to like civil war era georgia to get a bunch of outdated currency and like gold bars and stuff for you to come back and then be like now i've got this gold i can tell you why tell me please because it's cool oh because there is a legend that surrounds lost confederate gold specifically lost confederate gold yeah so like after the civil war there were millions of dollars worth of gold that was lost or unaccounted for and there have been a lot of like historians and treasure hunters looking for it over the years like allegedly some of the confederate treasury was hidden in order to wait for the rising again of the south oh boy but hold uh, your breath buddy or don't rather (laughs) don't don't? hold your please don't (laughs) So, yeah, like there's a biography of this southern general who was at one point ordered to take the gold from this specific bank. And then this other guy who ran the bank refused to release it. But then it was like compelled to by force. And there's like confusion in the story. And the biography ultimately says, quote, what became of that coin is a mystery. Uh Aha. Now, there's articles now with headlines like researchers say there may be $140 million worth of Confederate gold at the bottom of Lake Michigan. Really? That was from earlier this year. Wow. So people are still looking for this thing. And it's a great mystery, but it's nothing's confirmed. And, you know, maybe these dudes looking for it in Lake Michigan will find it one day. Right. And I totally understand, like, in terms of the value of some of these old-timey treasures and stuff. I get that. But, right. like, if you're just, like, a henchman who's trying to just get some, fa- like, quick cash. Right. Would, is that- <laughs> you go, you get the gold. You melt it down. You then right. resell it. Cash for gold. Totally. You get it. <laughs> You've seen those cash for gold commercials, yeah. guys. One thing about the movie itself, before we do move on from that, the writer also wrote The Mask. Somebody stop me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Smoking. (laughs) I'm not surprised. Let's watch The Mask. Yeah, we should. Oh, man, that would be an interesting one. But also the writer then wrote for Battlestar Galactica, the TV show Heroes, and writes the new Daredevil on Netflix. I love daredevil yeah no this is like you know oh he's got grown some ideas. he's grown and developed in his writing <laughs> yeah good for you oh one thing that i want to say made a huge impact on me as a kid mm-hmm. in, from this movie was the moment where van damme walks into his home and says tv on and the tv turns on oh. and i was like the future is gonna be awesome oh it's so bright you have the capability of doing that right i actually don't because oh. i don't my tv itself is kind of old i have an oh. older samsung tv <laughs> the newer ones right. are listening to you all the time right. but there are like various things that are connected to the internet and always listening and so i was thinking we could test our audience and see if any of them have it set up alexa turn on the tv play time cop (laughs) you're welcome you're welcome (laughs) all right guys are you ready to get heady i'm ready to get let's do it So Einstein's theory of general relativity. Getting heady off this. Yeah, right. The top head. head. He describes gravity as the warping of space time by energy and matter. The idea is that an extremely powerful gravitational field, like one produced by a black hole, could in principle profoundly warp the fabric of existence so that space time bends back on itself. This would create a 
closed time-like curve or CTC. It's basically a loop that could be traversed to travel back in time. So this We've is like about this before. Yeah, this bit. is like an extreme version of how time moves at a different rate in orbit versus here on Earth because we're yeah. it's very minuscule to us unlike at a black hole. The rate that time moves is dependent on how close you are to a massive gravitational right. structure. Yeah, and the idea is like the closer you get to the black hole, mm -hmm. time moves slower. And so it's like theoretically you could move faster than blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then you, <laughs> you, you come around the other side of that orbit before you left. Right, exactly. Now, physicists like Stephen Hawking, they don't like CTCs because any macroscopic object, now that's one visible to the naked eye, traveling through one would inevitably create paradoxes where cause and effect break down. Mm -hmm. One of these big paradoxes is referred to as the grandfather paradox. It's a hypothetical scenario in which someone uses a CTC to travel back through time to murder her own grandfather, thus preventing her own later birth. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a model proposed by the theorist David Deutsch in 1991, and he was basically saying the paradoxes created by CTCs could be avoided at the quantum scale because of the behavior of fundamental particles. The behavior of fundamental particles only follow the fuzzy rules of probability as opposed to the rules of strict determinism, which means that, like, all events, including human actions, are caused by some external force. This is so crazy. My whole next section is all about specifically that, like the probability and number of different ways. This oh, is so delightful. great. Oh, delightful. Perfect. So I figured that there was going to be a lot of overlap. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, when I started my research, I kept like coming across these new terms and I was like, what the fuck is that? I'm now, this model, this Deutsch's model was recently simulated by a team of researchers. Okay, let's use our imaginations, yes. shall we? Now, instead of a human being traveling through a CTC to kill her ancestor, let's just instead imagine that a fundamental particle goes back in time to flip a switch on the particle making machine that created it. If the flip is switched, the machine shoots out that particle back into the CTC. If the switch isn't flipped, the machine emits nothing. So Deutsch's insight was to insist that any particle entering one end of a CTC must emerge at the other end with identical properties. Therefore, a particle emitted by the machine with a probability of one half would enter the CTC and come out the other end to flip the switch with a probability of one half, imbuing itself at birth with a probability of one half of going back to flip the switch. I know that sounds really fucking complicated because yeah, well. <laughs> they're fucking quantum <laughs> physicists. So it's basically but, saying like it has to be possible that it could go yeah, back in time it, and do it. It's okay. Let's bring it back to the idea of a person because okay. obviously the, like he breaks it down to particle because it's like too complicated to imagine just a person going right. back through. But for me, it's easier to imagine Totally. I was like, all right, Deutsch. You're <laughs> for a all of Deutsch you who have been sitting looking at math equations for <laughs> yeah. the last 20 years, let me break it down simpler. <laughs> right. The particle is a person. The person would be born with a one-half probability of killing her grandfather, giving her grandfather a one-half probability of escaping death at her hands, which is good enough probability-wise to close the loop and escape the paradox. Okay, but then there's still like a percentage of probability that he, she will kill him and no longer exist. Right. And in that case, nobody, none of them ever exist? But I think what what his insight is is that on the quantum scale, because they only operate in this like you know, this fuzzy, you're not exactly, it's not like a strict amount. It's right. like, he still has the possibility of not being murdered by oh, his granddaughter. Okay. So therefore he, it's not a paradox anymore. Like, so okay. this kind of ties into the idea of entanglement, I think. Mm -hmm. which which you I know are going to talk about. So basically, instead of sending a person through a time loop, they were able to create a stunt double of the person and run that through the time loop simulator to see if they had the same properties. Mm -hmm. So that's how they're able to determine like if you would be the same on the other side or that kind of thing. But it's still like in a probabilistic state. Yeah, it's not exactly CTC, but it's supposed to be like under similar Every circumstances. Every time you say CTC, I'm going to think Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> 
<laughs> so true so true a time traveler who emerges from a Deutschen CTC enters a universe that has nothing to do with the one that they exited it's like in a the parallel future. universe yeah exactly uh-huh. okay. whereas Lloyd's version is basically like you would have memories of that it's not like you're entering a world that you've never experienced okay that kind of thing right so I know that all of this is like super duper complicated and I'm not explaining it the best but but like <laughs> I think the reason why it's important to talk about is it's not necessarily with regard to physically traveling back in time, but the reason why they're doing these models and they're doing these simulations is for like practical applications within quantum computing and stuff and breaking quantum-based cryptography, which if you're asking yourself what the fuck is that, I did the same thing and I'm going to talk about it later (laughs) in the show. But basically like this idea of being able to clone quantum states makes you able to violate the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, which we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. I've talked about it before with with regards to weather and not really being able to like predict the weather specifically because you can't like really know the position and momentum of every fundamental particle in in the universe mm-hmm. right but if you clone the system you can at least measure one quantity in the first and the other quantity in the second and then that will allow you to decrypt an encoded message that's the actual application as opposed to like am i going to go back to the year i was born and- right So is it kind of like, because I know a big part of quantum computing is that it can send information to another, like two atoms that are quantumly entangled can share the same information at the same time, no matter how far away they are from each other. Yeah, exactly. And so you can affect the other one and essentially give information to the other one faster than the speed of light. Yeah, exactly. Which, let me talk about the speed of light for a little bit. Whoa, do it. Because light works like craziness in this world and like (laughs) seriously in this universe i'm like what the fuck is up with light yeah there's a famous experiment from the 20s called the double slit experiment Mm -hmm. when you shine a light at a wall that has two slits in it you would think that the pattern that hits the wall behind that it would be two bars of light right but that's not what happens There's something very strange where it winds up doing a bunch of little slits. There's like a ton of slits along where the light should hit instead of two defined ones. And what this indicates is that a photon, while it seems to act like a particle most of the time, is sometimes acting like a wave. So there's a probable place where the photon could hit. And then once it hits, it becomes a particle again. Okay. So we don't know exactly how this works, but you see it with this light pattern that can appear through double slits because it's clearly like diffusing light in a way that light can't really travel. Right. Okay. If it were a regular particle. Uh-huh. And what happens if you shoot like a single photon at the two slits over and over again, each particle that goes through shouldn't be aware of where previous particles landed. But as you send each one through, they build up the same pattern. Like the wave pattern. Okay. And so there's these thoughts about like the it exists in multiple states Mm -hmm. and goes through both slits at once. And it's not until it's observed that it actually chooses which slit it went through. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 Um, This makes so much sense because I'm going to talk about entanglement later with with the cryptography and shit. It's all entangled. It's all entangled. (laughs) So this is where things get really weird. When the experiment is set up so that the scientists don't know which of the two slits any individual photon will pass through, the photon appears everywhere. But when the experiment is set up with any kind of detector, like in front of each slit to determine which one the photon is really going through, the interference pattern doesn't show up at all. Weird. Yeah. So no matter what way scientists try to detect it, once there's a detection method in place, the photon picks one of the many probabilities where it could travel and focuses down to one spot. So a little while ago, a group of scientists did a variation on the double slit experiment called the delayed choice experiment. 
They placed a special crystal at each slit, which splits the incoming photons into a pair of identical photons. One of them is supposed to go on and make the normal interference pattern, while the other goes to a detector. Mm -hmm. But this still doesn't work. It basically just does what it wants to? It doesn't work. No, no, like it will not stay in the probabilistic state. Even if the second photon is detected after the first photon hits like the back wall, Mm -hmm. it still chooses only one spot where it wouldn't if there was no detection. And theoretically, you're not even detecting the one photon. You're splitting it into two and learning after it's hit the wall where it would have hit. It, it like retroactively chose which slit it went through after it was detected. So That's it went so through bizarre. both slits. Okay. Then we detect the photon, and then it it like goes back in time and chooses one. It's like light just doesn't play by anybody's rules. Nope. <laughs> and I'm about to get even crazier. <laughs> okay. Because think of this. You throw a ball. It goes a certain distance. Mm-hmm. You get into a car, and you're going 50 miles an hour, and you stick your hand out of the window, and you throw that ball. The ball goes faster and further because of the added momentum, mm-hmm. right? That is not how light works. Mm-hmm. Imagine you're standing still and you turn on a flashlight. The light comes out at light speed. Mm -hmm. Now you're driving in a car at 50 miles an hour and then you turn on the flashlight. The light will not be moving any faster than the light when you were standing still. Right. Time changes to allow light to always come at the same speed. (gasps) This is special relativity. Okay. Time changes. Yeah. So you will always perceive light as coming in at light speed and time is shifted so that you always perceive it that way. Fuck. So like light has this constant 186,000 miles per second. You can never make light go faster than that because time bends to make it always be the same. That's fucking insane. I don't know why. (laughs) I don't know how. And then how that even just works into like our perception of of that, right? Like like what our perception of time is in relation to light. Exactly. It's both a particle and a wave, but at different times, it's probable that it can hit this and not that, but then you detect it and it's doing that. Like, I, we're yeah. just like, the, like, there are these experiments that show, like, what do, what do, we know nothing about this shit. So I read this other article in The Independent about how scientists are saying that there's no mathematical reason why a time travel machine could not be able to disrupt the space-time continuum enough to go backwards in time. Mm. So they st- <laughs> which I'm like, but I, all right, there's the actual no... machine? Okay. So they published a study <laughs> in the journal Classical and Quantum Gravity, and it was titled Traversable Acausal Retrograde Domains in Space-Time, which spells TARDIS, which is the name of Doctor oh, Who's famous yes! space-time machine. I don't watch that show, but I'm sure you're excited. Oh, you mean time and relative dimensions in space? Sure. That's what TARDIS really stands for. Right. Or it's Traversable Acausal Retrograde Domains in Space-Time. Oh, man, they really had to work hard for that, but I'm glad that they did. <laughs> right. But basically, this, this p- paper proposed a mathematical model for a viable time machine, and it's described as a box which allows those within it to travel backwards and forwards through time and space as interpreted by an external observer. Now, the model is based on what I was saying earlier, is the idea that like a strong force like the gravitational pull of a black hole could disrupt space-time and bend it into a, a circle for passengers, and you would just need a box to go into that, I suppose. <laughs> a belief box. So again, theoretically possible. However, the researchers said it was unlikely that anyone would ever be able to achieve it because we need materials, which they call exotic matter, to bend space-time in these impossible ways. Exotic matter is basically like matter that we think might exist. Well, is that that's right? that's a good question because <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is exotic matter? And luckily I stumbled upon an article in Time called Why Exotic Matter Matters. 
Good for them. And won the Nobel Peace Prize in Physics. This was released in 2016 because last year, the Nobel Prize in Physics was awarded to three American physicists for their work they did in the 70s and 80s involving exotic matter. <sighs> Do you know what topology is? Uh, like maps? No. It's it's a it's a part of mathematics. Oh, that's t- topography. Topography. <laughs> <laughs> I don't notice how I didn't even correct you. I was like, it's, I know it's top something, but anyway, yeah. t- topology is a part of mathematics that concerns properties of space that are preserved under continuous deformations. Topologists study shapes in three-dimensional space in this kind of theoretical world in which all matter is clay-like and moldable. Mm. So imagine, if you will, like a baseball could be stretched into a baseball bat and then flattened down to a home plate with no loss of topological integrity. Like these atoms can be reformed to make these different objects? Right. What the baseball could never become, however, is a catcher's mitt because a catcher's mitt has holes and gaps in it. And topology does not allow you to create those. So again, it's just like imagine clay. You can form these different things, but you can't like pop a hole into it. But you can totally pop a hole into it. Like think about how like a clay structure that's like a ring. You can totally connect the two pieces of clay up top and have a hole in the middle of it, right? Probably, but that's topologists <laughs> would argue with you okay. because they're basically saying that's the same reason why a coffee mug, which has a, you know a single hole formed mm. by the handle, could become a donut because a donut also has a hole, oh. but it can never become a pretzel, oh, which I has under- three holes. Okay, I understand what they're like. Yeah. It's retaining certain elements of the shape on right. some level. Yeah, but but not like I mean, your example is good, like connecting the ends to create a hole, but mm. it sounds like to them it's just not. I don't know. That's not really connecting because it's not the full piece. Right. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Why not? <laughs> it's crazy mind fuck stuff. Yeah, I, I think I get it. <laughs> Try I, I to understand. <laughs> but again, topology has real world applications in mathematics, robotics, computer programming, even biology, because scientists are wanting to learn more and more about the different ways DNA folds and how it twists and knots. Ooh. So they, they use the same principles. Now, there are a handful of types of chemical phase changes beyond just freezing and boiling. For example, when like glowing plasma loses its electrical energy and eases back back down to like just an ordinary gas, that's called recombination. When a gas settles onto a surface to form a solid layer, that's called deposition. So a lot of basic chemistry is driven by phase changes and similar patterns play out in the real world. So you think of like traffic moving more and more slowly until it freezes to a stop that can be looked at as like a sort of phase change you think of like house of cards that grows increasingly weak and then eventually crumbles Mm -hmm. so it's basically like the more we know about all of these transitions the better we can control and manipulate them what the three nobel prize winners did was among other things they were able to extend this idea of topology and phase changes to the fields of superconductivity and superfluidity okay so superconductivity occurs when a material becomes so highly conductive that electricity moves through it with zero resistance uh-huh. superfluidity is a similar idea but just with liquids right so like imagine a ketchup bottle that then gets watery and then becomes so watery that it's just flowing with no friction whatsoever. <laughs> well, so, I, I think there's even this crazy state of matter mm. known as a Bose-Einstein condensate, which when you cool matter to a certain, like like almost zero Kelvin, <laughs> it becomes this like gas-like thing that's a super fluid or something mm-hmm. like that that has no friction in it. Because the particles are literally not moving, coldness is the lack of movement of particles, Mm -hmm. and they're able to now create this, like, not liquid solid gas. Exactly. It's this other thing. In terms of real-life applications, better understanding of these things can be helpful in simulating and studying quantum states, which it seems like we're just going to be fucking absorbing into every aspect of our life. So in this movie... 
to change severe gears. <laughs> severe gears? Severe gears. You're down, big shifter. There's, at one point, a guy gets, like, doused in liquid nitrogen, and oh, then, yeah. like, he gets shot or something, and his whole body shatters. He has it's, a poor man's T-1000 it's moment. A, it's a real T-1000 yeah. moment. <laughs> and I say poor man's just because... It, everything is poor yeah. man's. To, 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 to T2? Yeah. Everything's poor man's. <laughs> Dunking your arm in liquid nitrogen for 40 seconds will freeze your skin solid. Okay. But the internal temperatures will only drop a few degrees. Really? Everything will thaw in 10 minutes. Oh. Yeah. So this whole idea of like, I mean, it's different for the T-1000 that's made out of liquid metal. (laughs) But. Aluminum poly alloy. (laughs) For a regular old person, it would take a really long period of time to even freeze the body to the point of shattering. Now, Now, is that because of, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just curious because ligaments and bone and it just just takes like, like, especially like think about when you're cooking something and you have like a hot sear. Yeah. It's like it cooks the outside of it and and doesn't go to the middle and you want like a low temperature over a long period of time to cook it evenly throughout. So your arm is just going to be like a hot pocket. Reverse hot pocket. Reverse hot pocket. Real warm on the inside, super cold on the outside. So there's a Swedish company called Promessa which claims to have a new kind of eco-friendly alternative to cremation. Oh. Where they freeze a dead body to negative 320 degrees, the body becomes very brittle, and then they use sound waves to shatter the body into a powder. Wow. Then they put the powder in a coffin, which then becomes like a fertilizer within six months, and then you plant a tree or something there. This is more environmentally friendly way of cremating because when you burn yourself, it's... Yeah, I think it's like the combustion doesn't occur. And so like you get to better preserve the nutrients that would then go into the soil. (laughs) But like, yeah, there's like... Interesting. It like vibrates the body and then the body like shatters. What the fuck? Feel it, feel it. Feel the vibration. Um, do are they actively doing this right now? Now, like they definitely have a live website, and they're like offering this stuff. Like I, I think it's kind of like Viagen, where they're like there are instances of this, but it's like so new right. that it's not Fucking like fuck, dude. We're so in that where it's like all of this stuff is here, dude. It's yeah. just it's not for the common man yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, liquid nitrogen. If you get dunked in it, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be really bad for you, but it's not gonna do the T1000 move. Sure. Of all the ways to to die or be cremated or preserved or whatever that we've talked about, what would be your favorite? Would you well, want to be one of those like tree pods? The or tree pod be, yeah. thing. Yeah, I was I thinking that. Think I'd be a that. tree pod. Yeah. Anything that like. I'm always about like use everything that you can. Yeah. It's like take the organs and then use the body as a cadaver for medical totally. students. And then after that's done, do something that will like, yeah, put nutrients back into the world it's, or something. Right. It's clear that cemeteries are yeah. pretty obsolete. Certainly what I don't <laughs> want you to do is preserve me in a box as long as possible <laughs> right. underground. That I don't want. Right. Unless... Michael Jackson's coming back for the thriller, and I want to be there for that. But what are, what would you want? Tree pod for sure. Tree pod. Any any way to just because I thought before when I was a kid I'd be like, oh yeah, cremate me and just spread my ashes at the top of a mountain, yeah. and then you know that's all fine and good. But it's like we are all made of the same fucking materials. Right. I might as well give back. You know? Well, I used to think that the cremation was effectively doing that, but I guess it's like no. it doesn't maintain those nutrients as well. No, and also like the. The ashes just sit on people's fucking mantles, dude. I'm like, I want to right. just be out and about. I want to be like, not reincarnated, but I want to be part of you, <laughs> <laughs> audience. <laughs> All right, let's round this bad boy out with a little bit more discussion of quantum stuff. Ah. This time, let's talk about quantum cryptography. Mm-hmm. Another case of me stumbling upon this term and being like, Ooh, I don't know what this is. So I looked it up. 
Now guys, every time you buy something online, you put your faith in simple math that's easy to do in one direction but difficult to do in reverse. That's what protects your credit card information from thieves. However, as we've many, many of you have probably learned, the system can be hacked. So with enough computing power, a spying government could break certain encryption keys. This involves math and prime numbers and blah, yeah. right? I know there's like brute forcing <laughs> is one thing. And that's yeah. why like they have security things where it's like, try your password five times and, totally. and then we and will then we lock, lock you, you out, out because... Which it's like fucking hell, dude. Like 700 different passwords for everything <laughs> I, I do. There's like numbers and symbols. Ugh. But you don't want some guy coming in with a computing power being able to try every possible I combination. I don't. I just want people to be good hearted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, in search of greater security from code breakers, code makers have been turning from math to physics. So, this new generation of cryptologists who are people that just write and solve codes, they're also experts in atoms and other particles. So, they basically want to exploit the laws of quantum mechanics to send messages that are provably unhackable. So, this whole genre is called quantum cryptography, which has only come of age in the past few decades. In the 1960s, there was this professor at Columbia University who developed the idea of quantum money that would be impossible to counterfeit. Each bill would house trapped particles whose properties could be verified by banks. Ooh. So cryptologists today are basically using the same concept, but for security purposes. Hmm. So, you didn't happen to look into Bitcoin and where that fits in. This I didn't, universe, but did my you? brother's been fucking around with Bitcoin, mm. and he was talking about how he made ninety-seven dollars last week, and I was just, I was like, I, that's gambling. I, 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 I On that can't. level, that that's literally gambling because you're just, you're, it's like. I don't even know what it is to be honest with you. It has to do with like there's a certain amount of mathematical money. Yeah. And you can there's like a finite amount of it that gets harder and harder to get over time. And okay. you can like use computers to mine it and stuff and then but like we're at the point where if you're using your computer to mine it you get like a quarter of a cent. I mean, look, this is the same shit with like stocks and the finance or trading. It's right. like just like fucking make something, people. What's <laughs> happening right now? Well, like cuz it could theoretically become a global currency. What it really does is it allows people to pay for things without being it being able to be traced back to them which we've talked about with regard to like the, the silk dark road and, and the shit. dark web and stuff which like that like, and so that's that's really where that's gone but there is like this like vision of it that it could yeah. replace all currencies of the world and be this like right. perfect monetary I, thing I mean I understand because I, I do a lot of work in like learning about the, the weed laws and legalization uh -huh. and how like a lot of these dispensaries and shit they, they don't even have access to normal banks because mm -hmm. it's federally regulated right. you know right. that kind of thing so I could see the value of that but still right. I'm just like, make well, it. <laughs> what, what's, what's going on, though, with well, it, it is real, like it is yeah. made, but it's like like what's going on with like your brother investing in it is like a pure speculative yeah. thing. Like it, it has nothing to do with like Bitcoin itself or like using it as a currency. It has to do with like, what if it became a huge thing? Maybe I can place a bet that it right. will. Right. And ride that stock market price. I know. You know. Fuck that shit. It's fine. I get it. I, I appreciate, but I'm just, blah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a regular old American dollar. Yeah, or let's eliminate currency altogether, guys. In Money God is the we source. trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go back to the bartering system like Burning Man. You know, that tried and true way. That old <laughs> chestnut. Where you, okay. where you trade chestnuts. <laughs> That's right. So the most popular cryptographic application for crypto Quantum cryptography. <laughs> yeah. The most common app, a popular application for this is 
quantum key distribution, which is also called QKD. Now, a quantum key encodes and sends the information needed to decrypt a message in the fuzzy properties of particles, typically light particles. Mm. Now, eavesdroppers trying to steal the key must make measurements of those particles to do so. And I think you were talking before, light doesn't play by nobody's rules. Oh, so, so when they go to measure those things, yeah. they're revealing to people that they've looked at it. Exactly. So Ooh. like, yeah, because those measurements change the particle's behavior, which introduce errors that can be um, detected and they can alert users that a key has been compromised and blah, 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 blah. Damn. So yeah, there's a lot of variations that exist on this, of this QKD. Get on it, Equifax. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, dude. <laughs> For but, real, though. But they, but they are very much incorporating what we were talking about earlier with the entanglement. Well, I also imagine it like if there was like a trip wire that set off an alarm from far away, I just get to look at this particle that's in my little box in my hand. Yeah. And anytime like somebody trips the wire from miles away, it's like, I oh. Mean, it's, instantly it's known. Like today I was fucking notified that apparently somebody in like Missouri tried to get into my Facebook account. It was like, oh, oh is shit. this you? And I'm yeah. like, it's not me. You know, we had no. that interaction. <laughs> <laughs> Has Facebook um, asked you to like upload a photo to verify that it's you? No, and I'm not going to do that. That's like a new thing that I know that it's like, they're like, <sighs> we'll upload the photo, verify that it's you, and then we'll delete the photo. But it's like, only you could have uploaded the photo of I you. Mean, that's preposterous. But I've heard about that with regards to revenge porn, which is yeah. the stupidest fucking thing about. They're like, that's like upload the- your titty pics. <laughs> That's and we'll confirm that it's you. But the you. same kind of concept <laughs> yeah. where it's like, yeah, they're like, like, give us all your naked photos and we'll make sure that nobody ever sees them. Yeah, but we'll just make sure that's you. Anyway, but just like considering this is such a, like a new and recent phenomenon, think about that the first quantum transaction took place in only 2004. Ooh. So researchers in Vienna used entangled photons to transfer a 3,000 euro deposit into their bank account. That was the year that Time Cop took place in in the future. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I knew that sh- that movie had some kind of redeeming quality. So, this movie stars a man who's known for doing some splits. Oh, God, yeah. And even, <laughs> I showed you that video of, like, the Volvo truck, like, the auto-driving truck oh, thing. Oh, yeah! Where, it, you guys, will probably post this, but look it up. Volvo truck, Jean-Claude Van Damme split. Look it up. It's amazing. You're welcome. So... Most people in the world could do a split. It just takes a lot of time and practice Fucking to get sucks. more flexible. Sucks. Yeah, and some people are born with the specific muscles that can do it already kind of stretchy, so they can just naturally do it rather than after years of stretching. Mm. But I got a chance to go to Mongolia a few years ago. Oh, nice. And Mongolia is kind of known for their contortionists, and I saw some of them are there. They? Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. Actually, most of the Cirque du Soleil contortionists all come from Mongolia. Oh, all right. And what they're able to do is insane. Like, it makes oh, yeah. Van I mean, Damme look like he's got arthritis. Cirque du Soleil shit, it's like they are not even... They're made of clay. It's... Yeah. And seeing this stuff is is remarkable to see what the human body can do. Yeah. But it's pretty fucked up what they the way they get to be able yeah, to do this. Because good. they find people who are already genetically predisposed to being flexible. And then they start them at age like three or four. Mm-hmm. Just stretching. Just the worst. Like crazy levels of stretching where it's like they're laying on their chin and their back is bent over so that their legs are forward over the back of their head. And then they just hold that pose for more than four hours. Unreal. Like a four-year-old. Can't be good. Right. And well, it, it like... Ultimately, it stops hurting. Like, it right. looks incredibly painful, but, like, their bodies are so able to do this. And well, so, y- like, yeah, young it's kids training are s- the yeah. muscles. And, yeah, it, like, 
it looks horrible, but also, I guess, like, from an early age, if you're already, you know, it's like the whole Olympics concept, yeah. and, you know. I mean, I've been, a, I was a dancer for years, but I have never been able to do the splits. Yeah. I do a shit ton of yoga now, and I'm like, I guess my little hammies were not meant to do this. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have some flexible hamstrings, dude. You know, but it, you can't beat that moment in the movie where, like, there's water under, under Van Damme, and there's about to be, like, an electrocution of him, and then he, in his own kitchen, like, hops up and, and splits his legs across the countertops of the kitchen so that, like, as the electricity flows through underneath, he's fine. I'm and he just sure hangs there. that I will share that that video that just that so on our good. instagram it's just a yeah. little loop of him hopping up and doing that <laughs> i didn't notice this i don't know if you did but while riding in the time travel car or whatever jean-claude van damme takes out a stick of black black caffeinated chewing gum which is a japanese brand of chewing gum and apparently during 94 van damme appeared in television commercials for black black chewing gum in japan i'm gonna play a little clip for you right now oh no Oh, what man. a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love those Japanese commercials with American film stars. They're they're so fun. Well, you were talking about I didn't Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger has a bunch of crazy ones. I should show you them after this. Oh, it's my really God. they're really funny. But so the Black Black actually had product placement in the movie? Yeah, That's I don't remember amazing. that. But also like caffeinated chewing gum. Yikeronis. Yeah, that just sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I also saw that in 95, there was this French video game developer, Cryo Interactive Entertainment, that they developed a 2D game time cop, loosely based on the Ooh. movie. And it basically, it had like similar graphics as Mortal Kombat and like, you know, the player's a time cop who has to go after the inventor of the time travel technology and like all the levels are different eras. And it's like a combo of shoot him up and punch him out, which I thought would be cool. Oh, I think this is based on the... On the comic book? On, more on the comic book because Jean-Claude Van Damme was not used to pose as the protagonist. Oh, that's probably why it faded into obscurity, huh? Yeah, it was only He's released the for the Super Nintendo, but a version was also developed for the Sega CD. So Hell it went yeah. the route of the Sega CD. <laughs> oh, man. Did you have any favorite lines? I, I just enjoyed that one where, like, the evil politician is like, elections are won with money on television. You don't even need the truth. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, huh, time yeah, to I, yeah, I, I liked that one. I liked going back in time as an easy way to make money. I'm like, yeah, if you go back, we've talked before. I'm like, if I could rip off a bunch of pop songs, if I could have ripped oh, yeah. off Thriller, That's perhaps. right. That's right. Just me. Like, yeah. <laughs> but also, couldn't you make money off of time travel? I guess so. You could, it's probably a pretty valuable But then those thing. fucking time cops will try to like, you know, get in there and get in the way. Yeah. And then finally, I enjoyed the line, I got a feeling about the future. <laughs> it's so bright, yeah, we got to wear shades. There were times where, like, this movie was, was like, making a joke about how Van Damme was not doing the action movie line. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where it was, like, something where it was, like, he, he broke somebody's head and then was, like, that's a weird way to get ahead. Or, but, but he didn't. <laughs> right. He didn't. He, like, waited for a while and then was, like, you know what I should have said. <laughs> And it was like it was oh. like some kind of like a moment where it's they were like trying to like make a comment about those weird self-awareness out of nowhere. But then other moments he just delivered a line. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. it, it was yeah. <laughs> you plan to foul head. That's my Jean-Claude Van Damme accent, I guess. <laughs> On that note, thanks guys. We love you. We love you. <laughs> Please rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us at ohthatsathing.com and on Facebook and Twitter. 
I'm at Itsajoyamiya on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm at Jeffrey Ekman, and we will see you next week for M. Night Shyamalan's Finest. (laughs) (laughs) The crappening. I'm sorry, the happening. Yeah, you said it right. (laughs) You said it right. We'll see you guys then. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.